0: But I am just going to have to say, Amanda was my initial pick for my absolute favourite based on her uh, profile. And she has now sunk right to the bottom, when at the beginning of the challenge, she said, who makes biscuits that you can buy in the shop? And I just thought, what the hell, Amanda? You're on The Great (laughs) British Bake Off. Like, what (laughs) what kind of thing to say is that?
4: Hello, and welcome back once again to The Bake Down Podcast with me, Josh Landy, founder of Bake With A Legend the company that gives you the chance to bake alongside former contestants from the great British Bake Off. Now, firstly, thank you for all the lovely messages that have been flooding in since we put out the first episode of the new series last week. From Becky in Leeds, Jim in Brighton, Stacey in Toronto, Jamie in Washington, Tom in London, we appreciate all of your messages and the other ones we've had. We're glad we're enhancing your weekly enjoyment of the show. If you have any comments or questions, you can, of course, send them to us. The Down at BakeWithALegend.com. Now to answer just a couple of questions about our online public classes, you do get sent everything well in advance in terms of ingredients and equipment you'll need if you're looking to join us. The classes are incredibly interactive. They're limited to no more than 20 in each class, which all last around two hours. And you of course have a chance to speak to your baker for tips and help throughout. Voucher packages are available, offering brilliant value if you're looking to commit to more than one class at a time. And you can, of course, get a voucher to gift to a friend. We also sell our brilliant Bake with a Legend aprons to enhance your baking experience. Now, some of the great virtual classes we have coming up include Crumpets and English Muffins with Howard this Saturday, 2nd of October. Baklava with Howard on the Saturday, the 9th of October. We've got Chocolate Mini Rolls with Dan on the 24th of October. And Babka and Vienna's biscuits with Jane on Saturday, 30th of October, and indeed over 20 others. So please do check out com slash online classes. Remember to use the code podcast to get 10% off. So, episode two, I hope you'll enjoy it. I started off the podcast this week checking in with our bakers on how they've been over the last week. Let's just check in with how everyone's been in the last week. Dan, you did tell us you were going off to have some Botox uh, after we recorded last time. You look <laughs> tremendous, shining through. It looks like you're in ultra HD to us.
0: Well, that's very kind of you, Josh, and how flattering of you to bring that up. Um, no, it's um, it's not uh, actually uh, for vanity, as you might expect. It's basically just so that I can stare at my children with a cold, dispassionate glare. That's sort of like, that's, that's what I'm going for, really. But no, uh, yes, so thank you for bringing that up, Josh. I do have a bit of a Spock brow at the moment, uh, looking a little little bit uh, frozen, but hopefully that will settle down and I'll be back to my beautiful self
4: regularly soon.
0: I'll take it as a compliment, whether or not you meant it as one, Josh.
4: Undoubted compliment. Were you having Botox done during... Fake off when you were on it, and was that almost a key part? Were you waiting until the Thursday so you were fresh to go down for the weekend? No, no. I used to think I
0: was quite handsome until I saw myself on television. No, I'm taking preventative measures. I'm about to turn forty, Josh. Yeah, you've got a few years left to go, but you'll understand when you hit my age.
4: No, I will, and um, I'll have to get the number from you and then see if they've got any appointments left soon and, uh, <laughs> and visit myself. Now, now, Jane, you've been playing a lot of golf, I understand.
1: I have been playing a lot of golf, but I just like to say, Dan looks gorgeous anyway. And- and super smooth. And I'm the oldest one on this Zoom call. And frankly, I've taken my glasses off so I can't see me so well because it's not nice being compared to all you youngsters. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of golf actually. Since May, I joined the golf club in May. And it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. I'm out there as I'm a bit obsessed, to be honest. The baking has almost become sort of get in line baking and it's like oh I can't possibly do that I'm playing golf Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday so I need to get a grip really loving it. it's really good and yesterday I played with the lady who I'm not 100% sure how old she was but I know she was well in her 80s she strolled, I know, she walked around 18 holes and actually blooming well beat me as well. So uh, it's a great sport for all ages, I have to say. So I'm, I fully recommend it. Whether you can play well or you can't, it's a great walk a couple of times a week. So God, if I can keep going like that until I'm 80s, so I won't need Dan's, or maybe I will need Dan's Botox so that I don't look as though I'm 80 going round the golf course. <laughs> No, it's been a great week actually. I'm, I'm full
4: of beans. Oh, fantastic. Well, it was great to be so active. And how would you, you've had a week to research where you can go ostrich riding. Have you found a local <laughs> club in Sheffield to, to go?
2: No, I think the, oh, the idea would terrify me. I have to say, I don't think I want to sit on the back of an ostrich. It's not on my bucket list anyway. I don't think I've ever been on a horse. So I think I should start with something a bit more sort of traditional rather than going on ostriches. Yeah,
4: traditional certainly. But if you got on Amanda's horse, you would have. Well you'd have just been on the floor to start with, really, wouldn't you?
2: So we, we
4: will we will get to Amanda and her rather desolate looking horse later in this podcast. Well, thanks so much for everyone who's, who's already reached out to us and, and contacted us. Remember, you can email us the at down at bakewithalegend.com. I will come back to a couple of your, your questions later. And thank you so much to everyone who signed up and was part of our 10 class series that we are offering every Sunday. Jane, of course, launched that last Sunday. We had the malt loaf class. And, and Howard, we're excited to see your brandy snaps on Sunday.
2: Yes, brandy snaps coming up. So I've, I've been working on these. As soon as I saw that listings magazines had identified what the signature bake is, I thought, yeah, we'll go for filled brandy snaps. But they actually said in the Radio Times that it's a twist on filled brandy snaps. So I'm not entirely sure what twist the bakers have applied, but uh, we've gone for two variations of them. So baskets and rolled ones.
4: I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, and whilst most of the people attending these classes have signed up for all 10, there are a few spots reserved for people who want to join week by week. And I hope you'll all check out the many other classes that we have got going on. Indeed, Dan, your, your mini-rolls are back due to demand. We saw them on episode one and people were screaming for them. So 24th of October, this will be what your, I think it's your sixth class so you'll be teaching these mini rolls they are popular could be
0: yeah no it's uh, some of the some of the classes even for what what maybe us bakers consider to be the more basic bakes are just very popular because i think they're the classics aren't they and everyone loves a mini roll as evidenced by last week and uh, yeah i'm excited to teach that one again
4: yeah we are looking forward to that if you want to check out those classes it's bakewithalegend.com online classes and of course remember the code podcast to get 10% off Now, let's talk about biscuit week. And where should we start, Jane? I mean, 24 brandy snaps. We're told they've got to be perfectly baked lace biscuits. What are we looking for here to make a great brandy snap?
1: Well, I think they've described it quite well on the show. It needs to have um, almost pock marks and, and holes through it. It needs to be very lacy. They're pretty difficult to keep... Um, exact because the mix just spreads where it wants to spread so if you want it to be perfect you saw some people cutting them out which you can do while they're still cool but cooling as soon as they're cool they go they crack or you could do the method people use for cookies and put your cutter around them and swirl it around to try and smooth the edges I mean it's a difficult one to get accurate but they are blooming delicious you know they are a real retro bake again. off seem to be going for the retro bakes. And it used to be one of my go-to, haven't-got-much-time desserts. Make some brandy snap baskets, and then just before you serve it, stick in some delicious ice cream, crumbled pecans, and some caramel sauce, bosh, dessert, done. So it is a, a really useful thing to have in your repertoire, a brandy snap. And I was absolutely delighted to see them back. I think it's something... I'm not aware that my kids have ever really eaten them much. I don't seem to make them these days. I'm certainly going to. Now that retro is back, I think Brandy Snaps a really great place to start. I I loved it. I thought it was a great
4: idea. Yeah, a a really exciting bake to see, Howard. And you've obviously been practising and uh, perfecting uh, ahead of Sunday. So what were you watching out for here? Because it seemed like one of the dangers is the, it can go from being underbaked to burnt quite quickly. Is that as part of the challenge?
2: It is. And I think the other challenge is that you can only do so many at a time. So I think if you if you try and do 12 on a tray or something like that, you end up with them seeping into each other and even if you put them over two trays you've got to be getting them out whilst they're still malleable whilst they're still rollable so it's easier to do kind of four on a tray get that done then put another four in and so you are on a little bit of a production line really when you're doing brandy snaps
4: well dan kick us off we'll, we'll invariably want to talk about a number of these because there were varying degrees of success dan firstly who leapt out to you either for good or for bad
0: most of the People got it right, I think, in terms of the textures. So the flavours were perhaps a little bit more what I was paying attention to. I thought George's were very messy, but they sounded delicious. I think George went for the mastic with the orange and pistachio, and I thought they looked absolutely they sounded absolutely delicious. Then we had a couple of wobbles in terms of the technique, which would be, I guess, Maggie, who went very traditional and didn't quite execute it very well. And then was it Amanda who went with a cold mix? I've never heard of that and I was surprised to think that that would work and then again not surprised when they didn't love it because we wouldn't be cooking the mix if we didn't need to would we or I've never questioned why we cook the mix or if there was an option to not cook it and as it turns out I don't think there really is an option to not cook it. It was more the people who had a little bit of a, a mistake that stood out for me more than anyone else. I don't think anyone blew me away in terms of their presentation. would Howard, can you think of of any that, that you were impressed by?
2: I, I loved the idea of Rashika of with the kind of almost like ice cream cones. I thought that had the potential to look really great. But I think, sadly, even though she was kind of weighing the mixture out, it just didn't look as if she'd got them all identical. It is tricky to get them identical, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it was. It was given in the feedback, wasn't it, by Paul and Prue, the, the variety and size of of Rashikas. You mentioned there George, obviously, leaning again on a, a Cypriot theme. We, we saw Giuseppe at home with his kids again briefly eating pizza, so just reinforcing if we weren't sure exactly where he was from. Jane, who, who leapt out to you on the, on this signature?
1: Well, I'm afraid and not many of them, really. Not because they didn't sound lovely or do a great job. I just didn't think anybody didn't think particularly exciting, to be honest. I'm with Howard. I thought Ruchika's in a cone. I do love a cone. Did a nice job. I liked the idea of Amanda adding sesame to hers. I thought that really sounded nice, but oh my goodness me, they look dreadful, didn't they? Sorry, Amanda, if you're listening. I I thought it was interesting. Some of them very sensibly coated the insides of the basket with chocolate to stop them going soggy. When we are in the tent, you finish a bake, you know, stop, leave the tent. It all gets cleaned up so there's quite a gap between you finishing your bake and them tasting it so they will go soggy in that time so the chocolate is very good but can i talk about something that really annoyed me and it was paul sorry if you're going to use this in your hump howard but (laughs) he really really irritated me this week with giuseppe because Brandy Snaps, as we all, well, those of us that have made them know they cool super fast. And as Howard was saying, you know, you have to deal with them as soon as they come out of the oven. So yeah, there's no problem with them cooling whatsoever. And he's banging on about Giuseppe getting it all around the wrong way. And, you know, why is he making his creme pat before he makes his Brandy Snaps? And there's all that raised eyebrows and glares and worried looks. Creme pat takes Ages to cool properly. And Paul wading in to, I think, intimidate and undermine a baker is really, really naughty. He's bad enough at the best of times, but I thought he excelled himself this week so sorry that's my moan sorry if you were
2: going to use paul howard i'm sure you can find it no I, I, i'm sure i can find another one that's absolutely well, funny. It, was, that one? <laughs> it was there on my list oh. yeah so i was frustrated as well because that's exactly the approach that we, we're going to be doing in in the class that we're going to do the creme pat first before we do the brandy snaps it just makes sense to do that i do think Pooh stepped in and, and she she sort of tried to calm things down a bit because she said i don't think we should stop be doing anything i think she she almost looked a bit embarrassed about the way paul had kind of laid into him it it just seemed unnecessary yeah i mean it it
4: almost was building it up as if well paul will be proved right in a few minutes time when it when it doesn't turn out but it it did and it, it was rather impressive and yet jay mentioning there that the chocolate used by jürgen had flavor but also purpose and of course, Howard, we had the first handshake of, of the series, but it came from Matt Lucas, <laughs> uh, didn't it? It was the Matt Lucas handshake. What what kind of currency conversion do you think should exist between a Matt... How many Matt Lucas handshakes are worth one from Paul Hollywood?
2: I would rather have a Matt Lucas handshake any day. I think I think Jürgen hand, handled that beautifully. I thought he was so sweet. I'm really um, warming to Jürgen already. I love his kind of odd canon narration when he's doing certain things, how he describes about protein strands and how mango brings a freshness balancing against the rich spices. He's like just in a little world of his own, I love that.
4: He is wonderfully entertaining. Now Dan, I have seen you on enough online classes to get a slight vision into your home and your kitchen on occasion when Occasionally, there is fast food delivered. Just very occasionally, just like every other class that I've I've seen you. There seems to be dinner arriving. (laughs) Um, Well, well, Lizzie seemed to be making a direction, didn't she, to to Ah. fast food and McDonald's with her apple pie. I wondered if, if that, therefore, that one was maybe one of your favourites.
0: Yes, it did sound like she was referring to a McDonald's deep fried apple pie. Uh, other fast food restaurants do exist <laughs> and we support them all equally. Yes, I particularly like the fact that she referred to it as being congealed mm. because, I mean, let's face it, that is exactly what it is. Possibly not the most attractive way to describe your food. Maybe look for some other adjectives. But to be honest... When we were being introduced to Lizzie's recipe, I was mainly just thrown off by Noel's ponytail, and I can't believe we haven't brought this up already. I feel like this is what we should be talking about. Uh, on our season, he sort of had Elvis hair. He's gone for some interesting looks in the past, but I don't know how I feel about this ponytail. It sort of, it looks a bit like a samurai. At least it wasn't a man bun. I don't know. I don't know how we feel about Noel's hair. D- is anyone as passionate about this as I am? No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, in a word. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think I've noticed. awful. No, I don't. I don't think I've noticed. It threw me for a loop.
0: It was all I could look at. The other one that I did find interesting, actually, that I forgot to mention till now, was Freya. She did sort of like a cup. And I know they said it was very coffee-y, but it had some interesting decoration on the top. I don't think they spoke about it, but it was sort of like a striped... What was that, a chocolate thing? What was that? I thought that was pretty.
1: I, I did too. I have no idea what that was. Um, I had looked closely at it. It looked like a little chocolate bar or something, you know. Or mm. I, I don't know. That. They didn't seem to mention it. So maybe it was a bought thing that she thought would decorate nicely. I don't, Otherwise, maybe I think they would have mentioned it. Um, I know in the past, I remember watching Richard Burr and he had had sort of one of those imprinted sheets for chocolate and it looked absolutely gorgeous and I just didn't know what it was but they didn't mention it so maybe the fact that they didn't mention it it was something it was bought and just put on for decoration.
0: Well it was very pretty I thought that looked nice Mm -hmm. but there is no accounting for taste and you know I think the judges said that her flavours were too strong. I'm surprised because I feel like the older we get the stronger flavours we enjoy so I'm sort of surprised that Prue and Paul couldn't handle that but Freya could so maybe maybe it was too much coffee who knows but I thought she did she did the good job actually i think giuseppe's as well were very beautiful i don't think that they said the chocolate was lost a little didn't they so yeah it's sort of a very mixed bag very mixed bag this week
2: i was surprised I'd, i would never have thought of adding acidity to apple by cooking it inside a vinegar which crystal did has anybody else done that no i was no. amazed at that too i thought it sounded
1: a little bit more like a chutney but maybe it was just a dash.
4: You did leave out there, Dan, that it was a, a vegan bake, of course, from Fred, just in case anyone has forgotten now on her uh, fourth bake that she is baking vegan. <laughs>
0: One thing I'm slightly curious about, and maybe we'll get onto this in a second, but she's doing vegan bakes for the signatures and the showstoppers. What do we think is going on with the technical? Because I like I don't feel that that can be fair if she's not doing the same recipe as everyone else. But they haven't mentioned it,
4: have they? If we move on to the technical, I think this is a natural segue that you've just brought us onto, because this is what I was going to ask clearly she's having to bake like everyone else or it would not be fair because they didn't mention it and it looked like at one point she definitely had the butter in her and it looked like butter I think she's baking like the rest of them. Howard did this cross your
2: mind? It did cross my mind she probably would have had to kind of sign up for the fact that the technical may involve kind of animal produce non-vegan stuff otherwise they would have to adapt every single recipe wouldn't they which I'd I can't see them doing it to be perfect, really. And as you say, it doesn't then make it a kind of level playing field, really.
4: Did you feel similarly, Jane? She must be. She must be doing these like everyone else.
1: Absolutely. I think so. Because how can you judge a buttery biscuit um, against a vegan biscuit? Um, you know, a buttery biscuit has a very distinct texture. And they would know instantly it was as Bake in the sort of blind tasting so I think she must be doing the full recipe. I mean, you don't see another week's if somebody's glue, you know, doing gluten free, you don't see them having gluten free flour on a technical bake. So yeah, I guess I, I would, I would put my savings, which frankly is not a lot, um, on the fact that she's doing exactly the same recipe as everybody else.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. Though I, no, I can understand why they're not signposting so obviously that she is. Now, Jane, we were speaking just before we started recording about why these are not just being called jammy dodgers, but we suspect maybe it's a trademark issue and we we instead had sandwich jammy biscuits.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say it's exactly that reason there's a trademark jammy dodger. I don't know who makes them. I mean, who knows? I mean, Unilever seem to make everything or, or Nestle seem to make everything. It's obviously a trademark. Yeah, sandwich jammy. Jammy biscuits. We do make sandwich jammy biscuits on Bake With a Legend as well. It's quite a popular class. And let me tell you, our bakers in the past have, I think, well, maybe it's our recipe. I'm sure it's our recipe plus our excellent teaching. But they seem to have an awful lot of trouble with these little jammy biscuits that I, I hate to say, I think all of us could do enough sleep. So I don't know what that recipe was like. It looked a jolly difficult one to me.
4: Howard, let's get into these. Well, I'm going to call them jammy dodgers. If you want to call them sandwich jammy biscuits, then you, you can absolutely go for it. But we, we have taught these loads. And, and this, again, is, is probably one of those bakes that Dan alluded to earlier that we might do for not the most intimidating class in the world that we feel is is pretty inclusive and that that people should hopefully all be able to get some impressive results. What, what did you make of these, Howard? Obviously, Jurgen ended up coming out on top, which played a huge role in him getting Star Baker once again. But there was good work from Giuseppe and Freer as well, but not so good from the likes of Rashika, Christelle, and Josina.
2: Some people struggled definitely making the jam, which I must admit is something that at one point would have kind of phased me. But I, I don't have a problem with with that now. I don't think you particularly even need to to kind of be taking the the temperature you can do the test that uh, that Jürgen was saying to see whether your jam set or not when we've done the jammy dodgers or our version of them we don't necessarily have a, a buttercream in there so I think that was an additional thing that they added in. but it was that sort of strange kind of mould that they then had to use to put the kind of definition on the biscuit that I think was causing people so many problems so I think as well as cutting them out and putting a heart in the centre which is reasonably straightforward if you've got a good biscuit recipe they'd got to then imprint them with this this kind of spiral which did seem to be throwing a lot of people because it was was quite warm it
4: was warm we we heard that certainly yeah i mean jane we had this thing we, it, it was rashika right she cut them round she was using what they gave her the wrong way so she had round biscuits to start with and and not the the fluted ones and never really recovered what, what did you make of this
2: jane
1: oh yeah it's easily done though in the tent isn't it you're reading you're in it's a bit of a panic so let's not forget it's only their second week And they happened to get their right size cutter out and cut it from the wrong end. You know, I've got some cutters that are fluted on one end and plain on the other. So, yeah, I felt sorry for her, but it's a very easy thing to do. But I'm just looking up as we speak about cookie stamps or biscuit imprinting things. It looks as though they, uh, most of them are cutters and imprinters or stamps or whatever you want to call them, all in one thing. And they had to cut it out and then put the pattern on. I mean, it was just a slightly odd way of doing it. I don't think we'd never do that at home, would we? We'd we'd buy a nice cookie stamp and make them look pretty that way. I thought they went seemed as though they went out of their way to make a very simple bake more tricky. I, I did feel a bit sorry for them because I think they were scuppered from the start, really. I'd be very interested to try the recipe that i'm sure bake-off have got up on the website now because they they put all the technicals and, and some of the other recipes up on the website so i want to see what the proportion of butter to flour is on that recipe because i think it it looked as though it was exceptionally high and in a warm tent that would be very very hard for the bakers to deal with it seemed as though it was quite warm for week two it would Blooming freezing our week two in the tent, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I just think it was a strange challenge. I just think they were almost set up to fail, in a way. Set up to fail on
0: Bake Off? Surely not.
4: (laughs) 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 Well, Dan, what made? Jurgen and Giuseppe so so good because they really both sort of stood out. Our uh, our German and Italian friend.
0: I think it's just I think those two are pulling away as the front runners, aren't they? They're certainly uh, showing themselves to be uh, two of the better bakers, uh, certainly in terms of technical knowledge. Are they both engineers?
4: One of them was a, a physicist. Is, is that right? Jurgen's a physicist.
0: Jurgen's a yes. physicist. And Giuseppe's just, an yeah. engineer. Yeah. So I think those sort of detail-oriented things are going to help them. I think the chilling was a big big factor. I think you're right, Jane. The recipe probably. Is very buttery. They were kind of set up to fail a little bit, like poor Rashika. I mean, what was that? I've, I did, my heart broke for her. It's horrible to have a little sort of mini meltdown, especially on the technical. But I just, I'm going to have to call you out on your pronunciation there, uh, Jane. I think it's a flooded cutter. Um, <laughs> That did make me chuckle. I sometimes say scalloped cutter, but yeah, I'd not heard of Fluttered before. That was quite funny. But I am just going to have to say, Amanda was my initial pick for my absolute favourite based on her her profile. And she has now sunk right to the bottom when at the beginning of the challenge, she said, Who makes biscuits that you can buy in the shop? And I just thought, what the hell, Amanda? You're on the Great British Bake Off. Like, what what kind of thing to say is that? So, yeah, I was a little bit... I'm not sure about Amanda anymore. I'm not sure how I feel about Amanda. Of course we can all buy them in the shop, Amanda. That's not the point, is it?
4: What what did you make of this bizarre moment where we had Noel and Maggie? I don't know if you you know where, where we're going here, but there was a reference to... Pools, beige, Moon Bottoms. What did you make of that? It was an unusual oh, th- moment.
2: Yeah, there were there were quite a few, I think, references this week that slipped through that were sort of a little bit, a bit kind of risque. I think some some people in the editing had a bit of a bit of fun with that. Yeah. It's an awful position to put Maggie in to think about Paul's bottom when you're trying to get <laughs> on with stuff, isn't it? Didn't seem too perturbed no, for the initial no. reaction. The other thing that surprised me as well, though, was as they were finishing, how much blessed icing sugar were some people shaking on those biscuits? It looked at some point as as if they were literally kind of chucking it on. You know, like you might put, talc on a baby or something. We're back to bottoms again, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was
4: that was interesting. Well, look, it was an interesting technical when Jarzino not really doing enough in, in the technical to sort of restore faith in him there was an argument that he might have gone last week in, instead of Tom but he was told Jane that it was a bit pale his biscuits the sizing wasn't quite right and just didn't really restore faith that we might see him into week three
1: yeah he to. He, he came ninth so he was all well down the list I think what does it say lost shape bit too hard quite flat too thin I mean yeah the, the comments didn't sound good but Oh, I don't know. Brandy snaps didn't seem that bad. I thought there were worse. Brandy snaps. I honestly didn't spot that he was in too much trouble. Rashika was, was down there and Christelle as well because of her jam. Oh, my God. Trying to spread that jam. You know you're in trouble. I couldn't quite spot who was in the bottom. You could see who's in the top, can't you? You know, definitely Jürgen, definitely Giuseppe. Freya, I think, is always sort of looking as though she might do incredibly well but I didn't really spot the Josina as being at the bottom at that stage I think when
0: you've been in the bottom the previous week you kind of you're putting your head on the chopping block a bit aren't you and it's kind of like if you're not gonna noticeably improve by the next week I think you're you're in danger and I think Josina was in a bit of danger and he didn't particularly impress in the signature came low in the technical so I think he was kind of setting himself up problems setting himself up for a do or die situation in that showstopper definitely
1: yeah and i have to disagree with you you know it doesn't matter what you've done the week before it really doesn't. It's a it's a fresh sheet. Otherwise, Starbakers one week wouldn't go out the next week. They'd be given a little bit of leeway. But I think it's all on that week. Now I do sometimes disagree with their
4: choices. Do you think, Jane, maybe when you're in just week two, you, you can't help but think a little bit back to just week one. And I don't know, do they merge together in, in any way, like with Jazzy, you know struggling a, a little bit last week? Maybe once you sort of have got a bit more to go on, you can sort of forgive it.
1: I think there is a certain marking scheme and you should just go down that week by week. They shouldn't look at the week before. They really shouldn't no. look at the week before and they say they don't.
4: Now, we just did have one, uh, one email come in. This was from Sheila in San Francisco. So it's incredible to have Bake Off back and it will be live here in the USA Fridays but at midnight is it acceptable for me to have cake and tea whilst waiting for midnight to come to watch the Bake Off? Is this acceptable, Howard? Can you still, if we had to watch Bake Off here at midnight, would you be watching it with tea and cake (laughs) or would you just
2: accept that it's too late? I think it's fine. I think you make your own time zone, don't you? So I think whatever time it is, if you're watching it, I mean, I've, I've watched certain things through the night and you sort of pretend that it's time for food at certain points so yeah I think it's fine.
4: This is dedication isn't it Dan it goes live at midnight so what do you think about this reaction to having uh, cake and tea at midnight?
2: I'm not
0: sure about the tea I have to say I've always thought that the rule is there's the last cup of tea is at 4pm I've I've always heard that that is the rule. There's a vigorous <laughs> shaking of heads from Jane and Howard there. My mother will drink tea until sort of like 10 o'clock at night, but I've sort of always thought the no caffeine after 4pm. That's sort of my rule. I suppose it depends when you want to go to bed, really, doesn't it? Uh, but you can eat cake any time of the day. I mean, you can have cake for breakfast if you want it. I often do sometimes, actually, especially if I've been doing a bit of recipe developing. I have a bit of cake for breakfast.
4: Right. Jane, any, any views on this before we move on? About would, I mean, you wouldn't be staying up to midnight to watch it, I'm guessing. you just Would you wait till the following morning?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an early riser. I'm more likely to watch it at 6am than I am at midnight. I'm pretty useless after about 7 o'clock in the evening. And I probably would be drinking tea. And this week is the first week because I don't sleep terribly well. I'm one of those 2 o'clock in the morning, get my book out and the torch out and try not to wake my husband up. Now I've just taken. I've just bought some decaffeinated tea, which isn't quite as nice, but actually is okay because I drink tea all day. I love it. I probably have a, at least a dozen cups of tea a day, if not. I've, I'm here. We are at whatever time in the morning, bright and early, and I've already had three mugs. So um, I'm afraid. i What would you drink after four o'clock? Nice cup of Wine. tea. Wine. <laughs> no, drink, see. Alcohol is not my thing, so yeah, I can see where you're going with this. Stuff, but, uh, sadly, no, I don't drink um wine as and it would be a very good idea. No, a, a cup of decaf, there we go. Decaf
4: tea, wow! Decaf. Yeah, I, I, we, have, we have a lot of decaf tea in this household, so very much with you on that. Let's move on to the showstopper. They were asked to make a 3D biscuit replica of their favourite childhood toy and they were asked to make some kind of interactive element. Well, this was fun, so I'm sure we've got lots to say. Howard, kick us off. Who's leapt out to you as particularly enjoyable and who impressed you here?
2: You know, I had a bit of a moan last week, didn't I, about about kind of engineering. So I, I think the things that I really liked about this were where people had made their interactive element edible as well. So I absolutely, I loved Giuseppe's Little Game. I thought that was beautifully made. And I thought it is one of those things where you could really play and eat a counter. And I really liked that. Obviously, Jürgen's Gingerbread Windmill was stunning. But I, I just preferred the things that didn't actually have kind of non-edible elements to them. I liked uh, Christelle's playset as well, the little vanity playset. I thought that was sweet.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I've always known that game as Othello, but it is the same thing, re- reversing. Did you ever oh, play man. Othello? Any any of us ever play Othello? No, you? I've never heard
1: of it. I, I, I thought it was really beautiful. And we we didn't see, did we, how he made the curved bits at the end where you keep your counters. We didn't see him doing that. I mean, it is week two. There's a lot to cover, isn't it, for the editors? I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a great game. The one I really liked, I guess I did like Christelle's. I thought that was brilliant. I thought Lizzie, and Lizzie's a right character. I hope she stays on for a good long while because she's absolutely bonkers, isn't she? Yes, she is. <laughs> but the one I thought was incredible for somebody who hasn't been baking oh, very long at all was Chicks' snooker table. Mm. I thought it was fantastic. A brilliantly engineered in a way that it it stayed up well on those four legs. And they could actually use the cues to fire the balls about. It worked. It really worked. I thought that that was the star of the show to me. It was just Ingenious!
2: I loved it. The editors had fun with that, didn't they? I'm just going to get my balls prepped, ready <laughs> to go. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of balls goodness. talking, wasn't
4: there? Paul did mention that technically
2: there were five red balls
4: missing if it was going to be an accurate snooker table. Yeah, we had that moment where Matt Lucas was doing some. I think it's Chaz and Dave. Snooker I don't loopy. think knew. Yes, snooker loopy. Are you familiar with Snooker Loopy, Dan?
0: Yes, I uh,
4: had a friend when I was younger
0: who would always put it on the jukebox every single time he went out drinking. It was very tiresome. (laughs) Don't ask me to sing it. It's uh, been a good 15 years since I blocked out that trauma.
4: Snooker Loopy Nuts are we, me and him and them and me. We'll show you what we can do with a load of balls and a Snooker cue Pop the reds and screw it back for the yellow, green, blue, pink and black. Snooker loopy nuts are we. We're all snooker loopy. And the reason I know who they are is because those two guys are massive Tottenham Hotspur football fans, uh-huh. which is a big rival team to to my team. So uh, on that ground alone, I now don't want Chicks to win. Simple as that. Just because of the association. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, well, look, there, there was loads here. And it was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, maybe, Dan, I don't know if there was a childhood toy that would have leapt out to you that you would have done. But we had such a variety didn't we we had we had the carousel rocking horse we had obviously the the snooker table we had kind of an airplane a sailing ship Jürgen's windmill the car from from Lizzie Mackie just kind of went more for a concept of, of going to the beach rather than a a toy and Rashika's pinball game there was there was loads to choose from here what what might you have gone for here dad
0: yeah i was thinking about that i don't know actually because i didn't have sort of a favorite childhood toy and it wasn't because it was the post war or because we were poor or anything i just didn't really have those kind of toys i think i don't know if i could have made a biscuit super nintendo maybe that would have been uh, <laughs> would have been the option I don't know I think uh, Jane and Howard said it already I loved Christelle's vanity unit I thought that was beautiful I have high hopes for Christelle and the showstoppers I think she's going to be wonderful at that over the course of the season I like George's because I think a lot of people did the gingerbread and then there wasn't much else was there in terms of flavour and he did the cotton candy which we, I don't think we saw him make and then the brandy I never know how to pronounce these biscuits because they only ever see it written down. What is it? is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, that's obviously like a, a Greek or Cypriot biscuit. So I thought he did a couple of interesting things. A lot of it was just gingerbread. And when we looked at the judging, they didn't really say anything about the flavours. Very, very little was given away about the flavours, just whether or not it was crisp or hard. So I think he jumped at me because he did something. I think Amanda's also was lovely uh, in terms of the flavours and uh, the cookie that she went for. Obviously not a good structural choice, but I love a sugar cookie. I think a lot of people consider it quite basic, but I really enjoy a sugar cookie. So I thought that that was interesting. Did did anyone do any interesting flavours? Have I missed something on that?
1: No, I mean, Christelle did some poppy seed, didn't she? Her lipstick, she didn't use it as part of the actual structure. It was just the lipsticks and things in there, which, lemon poppy seed, which they said were lovely. We, we all love the biscuit construction challenge, don't we? Unless okay. we're actually doing it. <laughs> Unless we're actually doing it. I think it was my worst week, biscuit week in the tent. I've never made a gingerbread house since. But when we were in the tent, Paul kept saying, in order to get a good structure, you've got to have a crisp gingerbread because otherwise, you know, if it's too soft, it won't stand up and it won't be robust. And I think there was huge amounts of conflicting comments about gingerbread this week. One minute they had to be crisp on the outside and soft in the middle. And then the next minute there was no snap. I I think anybody watching, who hasn't done any biscuit construction wouldn't be any the wiser on how they were supposed to make their gingerbread in order to make a big structure. And it just Did anybody else spot the one minute it should be crisp, one minute it should be soft in the middle, one minute it's too hard, and they're trying to create these towering models of things it just made me a bit cross god it's really been my cross week, this week. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that but how do you make a windmill with a half soft biscuit i don't know does anybody spot the crack in one of the panels on um Jürgen's windmill so he is not totally perfect thank goodness because he's also he's so brilliant but do you know, I know all the comments about gingerbread and the texture and they seem to differ depending on who Paul was talking to it really made me a little bit irritated
4: Howard I, I do hope you've got something left in a minute when we come to to Howard's hump that Jane has, has left you somewhere to to go with this just give us a final word here Howard on on the showstoppers on on Amanda's, and maybe that, that feeling of, of handing in something that looked the way that hers did. And if at that point, when we went for the break after the showstoppers, did you did you think she was going?
2: I don't know. I think it was, I think Prue acknowledged that there'd been some quite pretty decoration done on it. So I think you were able to still see that. What really saddened me, I suppose, was Paul said it would have been up among some of the best biscuit things we've ever had. Oh, so the, the fact that you think, oh, gosh, this could have been absolutely sensational. It is tragic when you put your heart and soul into something and then the cracks appear. It's um, it's awful. Yeah, we were just left a little bit
4: unsure about who who might lead. Well, that brings us on to, to Judge Jane, where we do include everyone, but we'll call it Judge Jane. So we have to assess, did we get the decisions right in the tent this week? Starbaker, second time in a row, Jürgen, and after nearly going home last week, know did depart this time.
1: Certainly, I thought Jürgen deserved Starbaker. It was a bit close at the top, wasn't it? I think it was him and Giuseppe, they were both seemed to be right at the top. But I think Jürgen just picked him that windmill was spectacular yeah you know could have been Giuseppe could have been I wouldn't have wouldn't have staked my house on it I must admit I didn't think Josino was going his sailing ship may looked a bit messy they said it tasted delicious okay the interactive lights it's not much of a toy that you can turn lights on and off is it I suppose but my money was on Amanda She didn't do terribly well in the first challenge you know with her brandy snaps they did look a mess and they did fall apart. Yes she was a bit higher in the technical but as beautiful as the decoration was it wasn't fit for purpose and part of planning your recipes is they do what they're supposed to do and I know she said at home that it worked a couple of times but on you're not judged on what you make at home you're judged on what you do in the tent and as beautiful as the decoration was it was a heap of broken horse so I think if I'd been in the tent waiting to be told who was going home I wouldn't have thought it was me if I'd been Josino I would have thought it was Amanda.
4: We had that moment didn't we where firstly we should congratulate Freya for being a good person and going over to Amanda and really trying to help it look like mm-hmm. for those couple of minutes but they had that funny moment where they were speaking to each other about what you would do with a horse with a broken legs and, and Freya rather abruptly said you would shoot them which, which did make me wonder if we were coming to see the end of Amanda now Dan you picked her out as a potential potential winner was she lucky to, to stay in this week for you?
0: I think Jane has a point, which is that what are you valuing? Are you valuing the construction, whether it stands up? Are you valuing the flavours? What are you valuing? And I think the honest answer is that as bakers, even in the tent, we don't know. They don't say this is the marking criteria and spell it out for you. We don't know. I think she was lucky. I think, to be honest, Gazzino, I think he's obviously very laid back. But he, you know, maybe has a slightly sort of laissez-faire attitude. And I don't know. There was one moment that sort of struck me, which is uh, uh reaction was so understated. He was just like, oh, it broke. And then it cuts straight to George having a mental breakdown over his aeroplane. I thought that was a lovely, lovely contrast. George is so the drama queen of this season. I mean, apart from Lizzie, Lizzie is actually crazy. I love Lizzie, but yeah, um, I think, I don't know. I think it didn't help him. He didn't, he seemed a little unbothered and I don't know if that's just because he was cool he's just sort of a cool layback kind of guy, or if they maybe thought he wasn't trying hard enough, because I think that was a criticism that's been levelled at him, wasn't it? That sort of been not quite so ambitious, so maybe that didn't help him. I don't know. I feared for, for Maggie, actually. I was worried about Maggie. And, and I love Maggie because my mother lives close to Paul in Dorset and they're sort of a similar age and they go camping so I'm like this is kind of like my my maternal figure on Bake Off so I, I love Maggie a lot and uh, my my heart sort of broke for Maggie with her crying she just sort of came across as so beautifully vulnerable in a way that some of us struggle to be everyone cries on Bake Off I don't know if this is your experience guys maybe you wouldn't enlighten me everyone on our season cried every single person so I think I think that's pretty common to the Bake Off experience, wouldn't you say?
2: It is. It was, it was actually part of my hump this week. <laughs> so, oh, um, no. Well, it is part of the course, the fact that you will cry at some point on Bake Off. And I remember we got into such so, a lot of kind of, we got such a lot of flack on social media about the fact that we were crying. And I just felt so, so sorry for Maggie, because she said that before she went in, who would cry in the tent and she was determined not to and it 's something about being in that environment and trying your hardest that just put you in a position like that and it's, so my, my hump was 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 partly about the fact that I know that people will be critical on social media about the fact that that people cry. But also, Paul can see that she is in tears, and he says, you need to try harder. I just thought it was one of the least constructive bits of criticism we've ever had from him. I thought it was awful.
4: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) pumps were were intertwined. and We'll come to Jane in a minute then, but Howard, just give us your your thoughts then on, on who should have gone home.
2: I definitely thought Maggie was vulnerable. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking it probably was Jasino's time, to be honest. I I can understand that Amanda's construction didn't stay up. But I'm remembering back to my series when we did the Biscuit Towers, Frances Quinn's collapsed, complete pile of rubble. But she still went on to win. So I don't think it's always about the fact that your construction, your structure stays up. I think it is other elements as well. You can see the work that has gone into it. And Jane, then give us a final word. I can see you had something to Sorry,
1: say. Yes, I just wanted to go back to Maggie, who I do absolutely love, and and I agree with everything Dan said about her. And and th- but one thing she said wound me up. She said because she's only four years older than me. Um, she's not that we... old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've been having Botox, so you know, so you don't know <laughs> Why <are> you. <laughs> she's oh gosh, she said she was a post-war child and not many toys around. Come on, she's not that old. You know, my parents didn't have a great deal of money, but I still had a Barbie doll. You know, there were toys, but let's not push this post-rationalization. I couldn't think of what else to make, so I did a beach hut and said I didn't have any toys I absolutely didn't believe it and if anybody's younger and I'm sure there are loads of people younger than me watching this we we did have toys <laughs> you know, we did have toys we had toys we had sweets and you know I don't know it just wound me up it, it it, was, it sounded like a good excuse for not coming up with a better idea for my interactive thing. I mean, a Jürgen, I can believe they were poor and granddad made windmills. I can see that, that was fine, I could, I could do that. But we didn't have toys. As I said, she's only four years older than me, maybe three, I haven't checked our birth dates, but I thought it was a poor excuse for a beach hut. Sorry, Maggie, I love you and uh, I do love you a lot. And you laugh a lot. And sorry, God, it really is me doing the moaning. Here we go. A bit basic. Needs to be elaborate. Make it thinner for a nice snap. What happened to the crisp on the outside and soft in the middle? That's what Paul said. So all in all, sorry, I've been really moany this week and I promise I'll be better next week.
2: I quite liked Paul's suggestion of the bucket and spade. I thought, do you know, a, bit, a biscuit bucket and spade that you could actually make sandcastles out of but would have been a rather nice interactive thing.
1: I absolutely agree. It would have been a nice interactive thing. Yeah, it was a good. Yes, yeah, so we're saying something nice about Paul, Howard.
4: <laughs> 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 oh, fantastic! Well, uh, look, we are we are out of time. Basically, week two has has been on gone. Jürgen is the only person to have got Baker, despite us seeing two episodes. And uh, after Tom departed last week, Giazzino has gone. Now, uh, very excitingly, it is Bread Week next week. So we are looking forward to that. And we'll be back with another podcast for you next Wednesday. We do hope and know that we will see many of you online at our online classes. A reminder, if you do want to check those out, it's bakewithalegend.com forward slash online classes there are as I said earlier over 25 different classes for you to join and we would love to see you there do use the code podcast for 10% off well thank you so much for listening do remember if you can leave us a review we'd be hugely grateful tell everyone you know that I've baked off to listen to us and we'll see you again next Wednesday
2: Just heard a stripped media production.
3: Hold up. What was that?